We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. Like craft beer for your ears. This is the PT Pinecast. Uh, welcome to the podcast. This is PT Pinecast, a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories in the world of physical therapy. I'm your host, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Hey, before we get started, we do want to uh, thank our new friends, uh, supporters of the show at Your CBD Store. It's a conversation that's happening with physical therapists and their patients right now. And you want to make sure that you're educated, right? When a conversation comes up, something that one of your patients might be taking, how will that affect their treatment? How will that affect them throughout the course of their treatment? All right. So there's a lot of information out there as well can kind of make you feel overwhelmed. Where do I begin? Well, uh, that's what your CBD store is really about. A physician actually founded it. So to find out, make sure you're more educated so you're not confused and overwhelmed. Here's what you do. Go to CBDRX4U, as you see on the screen, .com, CBDRX4U.com. Check out their educational links. They've got some downloads available that will let you know, you'll be more informed about how maybe your patients are using this and how it might affect them during your treatment. So check out their educational links and begin speaking confidently and clearly about CBD for your patients. Listen, it's out there and you want to make sure you're uh, knowledgeable and you're educated on it. So again, go to CBDRX4U.com so you can stop feeling overwhelmed about the use of CBD and how it affects the body and start feeling confident as a great physio that you got the latest information. All right. Uh, coming up later on tonight, I do want to say, look out for uh, our next episode. We're going to talk about, ooh, whenever I say this, we get a lot of attention, student loans. There's some changes coming about, right, that are being extended. What does it mean? And then what does it mean for you? We're talking with uh, three guests tonight. That's our next episode about student loans, percentages. What should you do? What does it mean for you? And I do want to do what's called a back tease. Uh, last episode we released... We got 3,400 downloads the very first day it came out. Uh, the episode, if you did miss, it was our last episode. We did a panel discussion responding to death. Uh, we had a student physio tweet. Uh, what, 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 do you, how do you, what do you say? How do you respond if your patient says, I'm ready to die? That happened to her. She tweeted it. PT Twitter came in with like sound and the fury in terms of support, backup, advice. We did a panel discussion. We let you learn from that. So uh, definitely download our last episode on that uh, that panel, um, really just discussing death. And how do you bring that up? What are you supposed to do? And you're looked at uh, by a, a patient who might say that. They're looking for uh, information, validation, support, all those things. Uh, take a listen to that. It was a great conversation. Uh, that's what I got right now. So, uh, Bridget, let's start the show. All right, let's do this thing. Uh, episode tonight, I'm excited. Another one that was founded in Twitter. See, not all bad things come from the internet. Some good things come from the internet, too. Uh, our guest tonight, I'm excited to talk to her. Uh, Award-winning science publisher. She launched Cosmos Magazine, which is a science and technology-focused magazine in Australia. She's also the CEO of STEM Matters publisher and editor-in-chief of The Brilliant and board member of the Australian Center of Robotic Vision. But her real mission, get, get this, to change how we engage the general public with research and information. I'm so excited about this. She really wants to turn you, I'm talking to you, yeah, listening, wants to turn you into a science communicator. That's how we change the world. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Kylie Ahern. Kylie, welcome to the program. 
Hi, Jimmy, and hi, everyone. It's great to be here. Uh, I should say good day. Good day, yeah. <laughs> I will not ask you what time it is there because I feel like every time we talk to someone from far away, but it's 11 a.m. We actually already asked you that before we started. It's you cool. Had to do it. It's cool. I don't know why. Is that just Americans? We always want to know what time it is. Uh, where another no, part no. of the world, because we're when like, I te text friends and it's four a.m. I'm I feel pretty bad about oh, it. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. I always check. Uh, Kylie, welcome to the show. We do want to say the uh, the first round. It is a little early there for you, but I am having a beverage because it was a long day at work. Uh, so we can cheers no matter what is in your pint. Uh, first round brought to you by our friends from Owens Recovery Science. They're a single source for PTs looking for certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitations. BFRs, all the cool kids were talking about it. Maybe you saw that uh, new documentary that was on ESPN, the 30 for 30 with uh, Stefania Bell and Johnny Owens, uh, helping Alex Smith go from nearly losing his leg um, to not only getting back on the NFL field, to winning a game with the uh, the Washington football wow. team. So a really cool look at how BFR played into that. Check them out online at owensrecoveryscience.com. And if you want to bring that into your clinical practice properly, uh, visit them for certification. So uh, that's the opening of the the show. So cheers to that. I got to get, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to tell everybody what I'm drinking. I get yelled at and tweets uh, at me if I don't share. I, I got a case of this. It's called Bell's Two-Hearted uh, Ale. And this is a hate-love relationship because the first time I had this beer, I thought it was the worst beer ever, but it was the only beer at a party. And since it was the only beer at a party, I was like, oh, I need to keep drinking it. By the end of the party, we fell in love. So it was a hate-love <laughs> relationship. So cheers. Cheers. Well, I'm drinking water. I'd like to pretend it's vodka tonic, but 11's a bit early. <laughs> yeah. All right, Kylie, uh, pretty cool like intro for you. And I do, I love, I mentioned that uh, we cross paths on Twitter. Not all, not everything on social media is bad. You can, if you look, I don't think hard enough, but if you can look, you can find the good. We cross paths when you um, did like a seven day takeover of the Twitter feed that I suggest the audience follows. It is I am SciCom, and that stands for I am Science Communications, SciCom, and that hashtag as well, if you haven't looked into that. Um, and uh, so kind of just talk about like I am SciCom and what you did when you took that, that kind of Twitter feed over. What's the purpose of it? So they get a different science or someone in science and to talk about communication. So not everyone's necessarily uh, science communication on their every day but they just come in with particular their particular perspective and um, stories around science communication so for me I'm pretty opinionated and um, I come from a science publishing world and I don't think we've got enough publishing um, strategy in how we communicate science so I've got a lot of observations as a media person who's ended up in science um, so I, that was my week there I love it and this week someone's talking about photos and video production and you just get different perspectives and from different cultures as well too so that's what I, love about it. I like that sort of thing and i'm seeing other twitter feeds start about that which is like it's not a person it's an idea and then a different person gets to drive yeah. that bus around for a week we see a lot like the instagram takeover or a story takeover or something like that like it's a really cool way to say i'm interested in this area it's similar to a hashtag but it's really it's a feed i'm interested in this idea or this and then get a bunch of different perspectives. As you mentioned, I was walking around all day. I was super excited to talk with you because I was like, Kylie is one of my people, right? I mean, publishing background and you wound up, you said in science, you know, I came from radio and wound up in physical therapy. So I kind of put those two things. We put whatever we're comfortable with, wherever yeah. we are, we bring that, that with us. So let's start from the super basic, the super macro uh, STEM. 
We hear it a lot around kids in the United States because they're really trying to get STEM education into the mainstream curriculum. But let's make sure that people, I mean, because I don't think STEM was necessarily a thing, but it was a thing. It was buried. You had to find it. So what is STEM? Let's make sure the audience is is up to speed there. So it's science, technology, engineering, and maths. Um, And it sort of started as a thing to promote that, you know, the communities got together in, it started in the States in the early 2000s when research came out talking about the importance of STEM. And I want to be really clear when I talk about STEM, it's not STEM versus arts. I think arts has its and social sciences are just as important, but we need to focus on getting um, these skills in young people and also valuing them as adults and within industry. And if you think about STEM Everything that is modern, everything modern in your life, everything in your life, health, education, technology, like Wi-Fi, it started in someone's lab and it started and it's not just because they're clever. It's because, well, sometimes it's just because they're super clever, like there's Einstein, but a whole lot of education and um, enabled that. So STEM is impo- has become really important for a variety of reasons. We need people educated in STEM, particularly math skills, but we need like a lot of equity, diversity in STEM. So if you think about AI, um, everyone thinks about Terminator, but <laughs> AI is incredible. Like you, you meet um, people in AI who are saving tens of thousands of animals' lives through their work in AI. But the problem with AI right now is there's not enough diversity. It's a particular type. It's project primarily men um, programming it and their programming and the programming is um, got um, all the biases of those people built in. So if we don't have, if we don't have a diversity of people and I'm not just talking gender, I'm talking like like total diversity programming AI, then society will reflect the, our technology will reflect the bias. Whatever's going in, through the bias lens that we cannot remove because that's what we are, right? We have our biases, even if we're aware of them, that's what will come out. Yeah. So STEM is about getting kids excited about discovery, like, and, and, and getting them to study so they can become future scientists or science communicators, or it just informing them. Um, And, you know, I didn't do science, but it's part of my life now. And I think if I was going to study, I'd, probably do a combination of a few science subjects, arts, because I think it's America, you tend to have that much more liberal arts world. In Australia, you tend to go and study what you're going to become. Like you go and study to become an accountant or a lawyer. You don't have that generalist. Right. And I think, you know, in the face of climate, we need more people understanding what what drives climate and, right. and how can we help fix that. Yeah, so STEM's really critical. <laughs> I lucked out because I went to high school, you know, in the 90s. So STEM wasn't a thing yet, but at my high school was pretty progressive because two particular teachers, we had a, a straight up science teacher, biology, physics teacher, and a design teacher. And they were like, we want to teach a class together. And I lucked out that the yeah. principal was like, okay. So I spent an entire year building bridges out of cardboard and you know, kind of doing Rube Goldberg experiments. If you know what Rube Goldberg experiments are, like kind of the game mousetrap, like take these 10 things and somehow assemble them to, uh, I think our project that year was um, design a machine that will separate the yellow and the white from an egg. And you just have to start the machine and then you can't touch it. It's got to operate and do all the things. What that did was that made you think 
laterally and vertically and three dimensions and what if we did this and there was a lot of you know it was in high school so it wasn't really hold my beer watch this it was really like hey check this out how are we gonna you know uh, how are we gonna use this you know power tool to to get something um to happen and that made people think and got people as you said excited was the key word yep really excited so that's that's stem and i just think look that's where discovery from where discovery begins is is something i tend to think about yeah so you mentioned your background and we we talked about it before we brought you on camera um talk about cosmos so we said you're you award-winning science publisher and you launched cosmos magazine um what can people find inside it? what was, was cosmos about so I started, I fell into publishing. Um, I was traveling overseas, wanted to work in marketing. I'd, I'd done a business degree. and one of, But I fell into this job in London and because Australians tend to go overseas for a few years. Uh, well, this is before coronavirus. And um, London's amazing because probably like New York, there's jobs that don't exist anywhere else. And that was in the 90s. And one of the first magazines I worked on was New Scientist. So, I changed. I fell in love with science through how those stories were told through New Scientist. So that's what I want to emphasise to people: is storytelling. How people get into science is not necessarily through a classroom. They can come in a variety of ways. So if you can engage someone with science, it can change things. So for me, it changed my career. And then fast forward a few years. So in two thousand and four. Um, myself and a, sci a fellow science journalist pitched Cosmos to a wealthy Australian um, and he funded Cosmos. So at, before that time, 99% of magazine science magazine sales in Australia, because it was still magazine world then, were to imported titles like Scientific American, New Scientist, National Geographic. And that's nothing wrong with that because science is global. But that means you're not getting your local stories told. So we produced a publication with high quality, um, very beautiful, um, and it quickly became, it outsold those other publications. It was a lot of work. So I was the CEO for the first 10 years. We won 50 awards. Um, I can we just were, pass. We won like 50 awards or whatever. <laughs> a lot of work. A lot of work. Uh, good journalists, real, good designers, um, vision, you know, and also we, we got a lot of funding through universities because we developed teachers' notes where we took a story and then linked that to the school curriculum. Ooh, so 70% of schools subscribing and then unis wanted to advertise. So that was that was an accident. <laughs> we didn't plan um, that. <laughs> and that's what you kind of have to have your mind open. So I did that for 10 years. We launched a green lifestyle publication. Um and uh, then after about 10 years, I sold my equity and worked with the biggest science publisher in the world called Nature um, and helped set them up in Australia and then decided, well, I really do like doing my own thing, so launched my consultancy from there. But Cosmos was, you know, uh, it changed the science landscape here. It showed that you could make money from science publishing. Um, and one thing I'd say to people listening is, We've become a world of hyper niche. You know, they talk about hyper local, but we're also hyper niche. So mm -hmm. a long time ago, you would have got science was much more prevalent in newspapers for a while there. Um, but people want to know very specific information. So if you're a specialist in something, you know, it's like this podcast. A radio, you know, radio it's super oh, niche. Right? But there's a big audience for it. And I don't mean super niche as in 
little audience. I mean, super niches and it's very specific. When you, women's magazines years ago used to have food and knitting and everything in it, right? Now you've got food magazines. Now you've got knitting magazines. You've got, uh, so niche is a really important thing to think about when you're thinking, if you're thinking about what I want to communicate and why, is I, I feel that people should really focus on those niches. It took a little while for people to um, to wrap their head around. I mean, we launched this podcast in 2015, and 2015 was not the beginning of podcasting. It, it was there was podcasting before that. I don't yeah. know if it had hit. It, it's definitely bigger now, right? In the last five six yeah. years. I still needed to explain what it was. It's a radio show on your phone, and it's free, and you download it, and whatever, and you subscribe, whatever. It took me a minute to 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 wrap my mind around what you had just said because I came from a world of broadcasting, hyper local. I was in Northeast Pennsylvania or New York City or upstate New York, and we tried to broadcast. We wanted to get as many people in this area to come listen to us, right? Because that's how we got our a bigger audience. And then someone. A smart person, a former boss of mine said, you need to turn the funnel upside down for podcasting. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, podcasting is narrow casting. It, you still use microphones. It. It, it feels like you're doing a radio show, Jimmy, but you're not because you're aimed at a super narrow audience. But now geography is now out of the picture because a physical therapist in Australia or Great Britain or any yeah. part of the US is going to be able to hear it. But a radio show in their local you know, a radio show about physical therapy on their local FM station wouldn't make any sense. It makes complete sense with a podcast, a Twitter feed, a website, yeah. a magazine. Yeah, and that's the fun part. Exactly, exactly. So that's that's one thing that I always say to people is that, and that, and my journey through publishing has changed as well too um, in how I think about science. And and because I'm now low, well, I do have my own publication, but that's mainly around what I do, but. I, when I talk to scientists or researchers or anyone in the STEM sector, you know, so, um, I do say everything can be, you don't have to become the top of Twitter and have 100,000 followers. You just have to have a, a very clear idea of your audience and what you want to communicate. Sorry, we're going jumping ahead, like Jimmy. Right, no, no, thank you for saying that because that is how I start most conversations. Internal communications where I work, external communications with big projects, who are you trying to communicate? What are you trying to share? Do they well for who are you trying to communicate to? Do they care about that? Yeah. You picked your audience, but they don't care about it. That that message probably isn't gonna is gonna get ignored. Um, and then literally at the end, a lot of people rush to, well, I should share it on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and a podcast. I was like, that's the how. That is the last thing, right? Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned Cosmos, great designers, great journalists. That is putting together a great story. That'll find yeah. its audience, right? Yeah. So don't worry about the how. That's the last question of those six Ws you need to answer is that how. Yeah, what even S even SEO. Like there's so much obsession around SEO and it's like, yeah, it's just the story. Sorry, Jimmy, I interrupted you then. No, no, no. I mean, I exactly. Like people will worry about the micro and not the macro. So you gave yeah. us your background. Before, before we move on to real strategies, because I want to make sure that physical therapists are hearing your story and saying, that's really yeah. cool, but... How do I learn from that? What do I, you know, I don't have a platform. I don't have a magazine. Yeah. Uh, Kai was going to share with you like what you should be doing, simple tips that can make your communication, the stuff that's in your head, valuable spread. But talk about um, another project that you work on too, STEM Matters. So, so as I said to you, I was consulting for nature and um, I just thought, well, I could, I'm making money for someone else. I want to make money for me. For me. Yeah, <laughs> <Sure. well. laughs> no and also, I just thought, 
and as you get older, like life is a bit of a journey. So as you get older, you learn different things and you get confident in different ways. So I'm in my early 50s now. I know you're not supposed to talk about age, but I'm different to what I was when I'm in my 30s and what I feel I can do. And everyone ages it, you know, in different ways. But I thought, look, I really, it was probably 10 years ago now, I went, okay, well, I'm just going to do my own consulting. And it it took a while for me to understand the university sector because I was outside. But I went and had conversations with people and said, look, this is what I can do. And then my business evolved from there. So one of the first things that I worked on was, so this is before I named the business STEM Matters. It was just me. So I, I changed the name because I wanted it to be not about me. I wanted it to be something that lived on. So, and I could employ people and, you know, so I worked with the Queensland Brain Institute. Now that's a really big institute at the University of Queensland, which is in a state in Australia. And they had developed um, an ultrasound which could break down the plaque in the brains of mice, and which is an issue with dementia, mm -hmm. and it could restore memory. So it's huge. Dementia is the biggest killer of women over 65. Um, and it's not an insubstantial issue for men, but men happen to die of heart attacks more. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh about that. Um, anyway, so they'd had a lot of press about it, um, but they didn't get any secondary audience because all they did on their website was had a press release. So they didn't write a story about it. Um, now, that's great. It was the second, sorry, it was the 15th most shared story globally that year, and that's because um, Science Alert, which is the second largest science magazine in the world based out of Australia, um, wrote a story about it. Now, I'm not saying that the Queensland Brain Institute can compete with Science Alert, but they didn't, their website wasn't a destination point. I talk about this a lot and it's something the Mayo Clinic do really well um, and they've become a global brand now. But if you want to be known for something, whether or not you're an individual or an organisation, you need to start thinking about, well, what are people asking me all the time? So we, I, what I did is I built a hub for them around the brain, around frequently asked questions around particular topics. The first one was concussion. We eventually did dementia and they do it now in-house. So it was never meant to be reliant on me. But that was a shift. And I can tell you 99% of STEM organisations still do primarily PR and they don't build audience. The reason why, and Rupert Murdoch is famous in the US, right? <laughs> We've all watched Succession. But um, for anyone who's not in a Murdoch-saturated world, because I know that's not every country, he changes people's minds on issues. He's part of misinformation around climate and vaccination, even though he went and got vaccinated, I saw recently, against coronavirus. He's got a lot of influence. And it's the same with a lot of media companies. They've got influence. They, wow. they communicate your message, right? But that's because they've got audience. And they've got audience because they're producing content the audience want to read. Now, I'm not saying that people want to read misinformation, but the stories are in, like it's about creating engaging audiences. Like the internet's come along in the late 90s, but most people are still treating the end audience as if it's the media. So before the internet, you needed the media to get to people. Yep. Now they can come to you directly. But the communication approach is still very PR. And that's what's holding the whole sector back. It holds individuals back. 
and you need to stop talking. I know everyone says this in content marketing, stop talking about yourself, but you should stop talking about yourself. There's room for it, but your audience will know the five top questions every one of their patients is asking them. And if they've got a website or a personal site, they need to start creating content around that. Yeah. So, so I don't want to skip ahead. So you yeah. said, uh, um, they, you, you started with concussion. So you sat down, you said, okay, concussions in the middle of this dry erase board. I'm guessing. Yeah. And then what did you do? Go around and say, what are the different questions that people are asking that point to this? We have to yeah. have answers to all these things. Yeah. So concussion, obviously this was before the concussion film came out. Funnily enough, it was this timing. So what we did is we sat down with the researchers. We looked at Google and we spoke to industry. So it's really important to talk to your audiences and your target audiences about what they want to know. And sometimes your target audiences aren't necessarily just the public. It might be if you're trying to convince media to do some, oh, sorry, industry around your importance, you've got to know what they need and know. The big concern around sporting industries is that we weren't going to produce content on concussion that was going to turn kids off sport. I mean, you can't deny that something like rugby union, which is a big sport here, causes a lot of, you know, there's concussion issues. Um, and I know that there was a, a shift towards soccer um, in Australia or football. I don't know. You call it football there? We I'm call not, it soccer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then there's issues with concussion. I mean, you know, kids play sport, they're going to get injured. So we were still wanted to, we needed to talk to them about the type of content we were going to produce. It's all got to be science-based. It's got to be factual-based. Right. I don't hide, you know, you can't hide things, but you also don't hype them, right? Um, and you don't just talk about, like, and you can talk about what research is telling you. So it was based around frequently asked questions around concussion. Um, and then we produced infographics. So design is really important. Um, we had stories around like CTE, which is the sort of the, you know, advanced um, concussion. Yeah, when roughly, yep. Yep. Um, but we talked about potential future research. We did talk about Queensland Brain Institute in there, but most of the content wasn't about them. And what we wanted to do is say, we're the experts. Oh, well, QBI is the experts. And, and we're, the ex we're so much the experts, you can come to us for information around this topic. And one thing that I always find with researchers and people in the sector is they go, well, we didn't. We don't do everything around concussion. Say, for example, we might do this element of this research around this particular topic. So, how can I talk about the whole topic? Well, it's not saying you know if it's about what the the consumers want to know, what your audiences want to know around concussion. What is concussion? You know, and what are the latest treatments? What's the research telling you? Um, you know, will it lead to brain tumors or all those sort of different questions that you get. It's the same with dementia. It's the same with um, learning and memory or, or artificial intelligence. If you look at somewhere like the Mayo Clinic, and now the Mayo Clinic might have been well known in the US five years ago. It wasn't known here outside health practitioners. Right. But it's a global brand because if you Google symptoms, diagnosis and treatments, they're very they're very clear in how they communicate. There's not a physical therapy student who made it through PT school without Googling something and getting <laughs> in the top one or two search reports from something from the Mayo Clinic. It should, it's yeah. to get through. Yeah. And I'm constantly saying to people like, yeah, they own health on the web, but there's no reason why 
as your hospital or your organisation shouldn't be having that information. Like think about children's health. So even if you go, if it's children's physio issues or developmental issues, if you really niche down on those things and said, look, I'm a specialist physio in this or a health practitioner in this, and you're answering those questions, what are the symptoms, what's the latest research, that that type of information will pull people in. Not everyone's going to go, like when you go to Mayo Clinic, you don't just go to Mayo Clinic. You then go, like, you know, I had a health thing and I had to have steroids a few years ago. I went on every site about it and I did favour places where the credibility was there, Um, you know, and often what you find is people think, oh, well, I won't do it because the media are doing it. Well, I I just don't think you should be outsourcing your messaging to media. Media is important, but they're also Googling issues as well. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the reason I I think that I gravitated towards answers were, number one, I kept seeing the Mayo Clinic pop up no matter what I was looking for. Which yep. is you mentioned, right? That's what you in terms of the Brand Institute, put the question in the middle and then figure out those frequently asked questions and answer those. Because yep. I wanted to say before, in the absence of any answer, the public or the end user will take whatever answer is there, true or false, because they won't have anything to compare it to. So this yep. is me talking directly to our audience right now. The public needs an answer. And if you are smart as a physio, locally, nationally, globally, be producing great content that an- answers those frequently asked questions. What do people want to know? I mean, I feel like we, we should be experts on what our audience wants yeah. to know because they ask us. Those are the frequently asked questions. So if not you, then who? I mean, that's the thing I always say to researchers because they're like, oh, should I? And and they're sc- scared about not being right. I mean, you, you know, you, there is that fear, whereas people with misinformation are just not scared. No, they don't care at all. Okay. If when the public doesn't care, like oh, just produce something great. I hit publish because it's so easy to hit publish. Yeah, I will say this. So you've worked, you know, in terms of research, and I've I've worked with. Um, we've done episodes on research, and what we find is, number one, researchers are super excited and willing and able to talk about what they've just spent years of their life. Yeah. studying and then and then researching and then producing. Um, but they're super bashful about doing it themselves, right? So if they're contacted, a lot of times you mentioned a press release is what a university will put out. And then it's a very formal, well-written piece of information. And being a guy in broadcasting, we would read it. And if it didn't jump out at us, we would put it in what we call the circular file, which was the yeah. garbage can. It went right into the old circle. Yes, I will <laughs> definitely file that away. But if you built me a story if you did it differently, if you if it was an article, if it was a, a real quick infographic, oh, give me something. The Egyptians were on to something, Kylie. We like hieroglyphics and infographics because <laughs> so I can exciting. digest those things quickly. Oh, this does look interesting. I will look at more of your hieroglyphics. Um, how do you convince those people? So, you know, in physio, it's, you know, you've got p- clinicians and researchers and then academics, right? So those are kind of the three big areas. Mm-hmm. Um, academics and researchers want to publish, publish or, or perish. Um, they think that's the end. They're like, I've been published. I'm in Nature, which again is the biggest science publication on the planet. So therefore, I'm done. If I said that to you, Kylie, I've been published in Nature. I can put my feet up. I'm done. What would you tell me to do? Am I done? Or what would you tell me to do next? So as the chief scientist, the former chief scientist of the UK said a couple of years ago, science isn't communic- uh, Science isn't finished until it's communicated, right? Yes, I love, that. That probably, yeah. you know. love that one. Love that one. Um, 
Well, look, I think it's important for your profile. If you want to get more funding, um, it's not just nature. And think, the world is shifting. I mean, I'm not sure about the state so much as Australia, but we're talking a lot more about impact. Um, the big problem is women don't tend to put themselves forward. This is a global issue. Women don't think they're, you know, unless they've got this amount of information, like women think, well, I'm, I need to be here. Men, men right. have less, yep. less hurdles in front of themselves. Um, some people are hesitant about media, and so you've got to have a good PR support around that to make to talk you through that. When you say media specifically, you mean the act of actually creating now using a medium to share your message, right? Or, or yeah. you're saying like like mass media? Yeah, I just think sometimes it's a, it's comfort and growing. Like when I talked about where I am versus before, you know, I, I'm growing and I'm I'm a different person, more confident in some ways, you know. I'm not big on doing media. I'm a bit hopeless on that. You know, um, I'm not going into the uh, getting on me on, on TV and things like that. Um, some people are actually brilliant at it. I think what I haven't done enough in my life is gone out and done enough talks. You know, so I'm pushing myself that way. So you've got to think about what do you get, what what are you scared of, and actually start training yourself as young as you can. So if it's talking in public, just go and go go to smaller things where it's just less embarrassing and go like and learn. Best over beers or something like that in theory. That's right. Um, but what I'd say is pr building your profile or communicating your science rather doesn't necessarily have to be I'm on TV, I'm on radio, I'm doing this. You can influence how people um, perceive science or whatever you're doing yes. through a whole range of different things so if you think about like let me give you two examples in climate for example so there's michael mann professor michael mann who is an american climate scientist and he's one of he's globally famous like just he did the hockey he's just an incredible communicator and scientist now he would just, he's self-described as a pugilist loves to fight so he takes on climate change denialists as someone who's nervous about the plant, like scared out of, you know, out of their brains around climate, I find that comforting and we need more people like that. Yeah. And the if he's not there, who is going yeah. to be there? And there's a range of, now there's a hesitation in certain countries around doing that, right? You know, Australia, we don't have enough of it. Um, then you've got someone like Asad Razouk, who's just as cranky. And he's based in Singapore um, and he's got a website, so his name is, a double S double A D Razuk, um, R double double Z O U K. He's worth following on Twitter and LinkedIn. He he is sick of the fact that the media don't cover enough climate stories. So he does it in thirty minutes a day, and he's got over one hundred and thirty thousand Twitter and LinkedIn followers. And a lot of people who are interested in climate follow him because he puts his own spin on it. He knows the research. And he he tweaks it like he just shares it in a way that really resonates, and you can understand something really quick, quickly. Like you can see who's getting wind and which countries are being gener are getting all their energy from solar or wind. There's so many different ways that you can build your opinion, and what, and but it's got to be something that works for you. He's very disciplined, Assad. He doesn't like if he wouldn't talk about Brexit unless it was climate involved right. in Brexit. Right. So. When I talk about, when I talk to researchers, the, oh, the other thing is, is I, I'll go back to that concussion thing. 
with the Queensland Brain Institute. I had lunch with a friend from Google and he said, what are you up to? And I said, oh, I'm doing this work on concussion. And he said, I wish you'd done this a few months earlier because I was Googling concussion and I couldn't work out who the top researchers were because we're doing this corporate sustainability program with Samsung. So all the, has all these concussion researchers in Australia who hadn't re written a decent profile or story around concussion that they, when someone's Googling them, meant that they missed out on this. Now, I'm not saying they didn't choose someone who was excellent, but everyone relies on a certain way of communicating that's very corporate. So researchers, for example, rely on profiles that are aimed at other researchers. So if you don't build a good profile, and I'll tell you what's important pieces of info. Am I jumping ahead if I say what's important? No. No. Okay. So one of the most, um, I think it's live science does a huge amount of explainers, but explainers, you know, why do whales beach themselves? What is climate change? You know, explainers are huge. Now you can do them in text, you can do them in videos, you can do them in podcasts, but explainers and actually on my website, which is the brilliant com.au there's a guide for writing explainers it's free so please use please use it um but they are like youtube i remember meeting um the head of youtube in australia they were saying that's one of their most consumed pieces of content explainers i mean i mean what's the number two search engine in the world it's youtube right and I just bought a Jeep and I can't figure out how to get the door off. The doors are supposed to come off. Do you think I went to the manual, Kylie? No. <laughs> I took my phone and I looked. And you know what I looked for? I looked for the shortest video that had the best graphic that I said, this person, this girl, she put the best effort into it and it's only 90 seconds. Yeah. Explainer. Yeah. Explainer. So that's really important. Um, uh, you could do... Like World Economic Forum is another one I've written about. I love their videos. I don't know if any, if you're on social media, just tripping over them. And it's a very good news thing, but they use, um, they went from being primarily known for Davos, which is that big billionaires meeting once a year, to their, to over a billion views of their videos with wow. 10 staff, 10 staff. Um, and their videos, they repackage stock. So if you use something called Lumen 5. I just um, that, yeah. Yeah, you can create those types of videos with text. So you just don't even have to put your face on there if you're that stressed about. The Lumen 5, just for the audience, and make sure I'm getting this right, Kylie, essentially, if you write an article about something and then you use Lumen 5 that kind of scans it or you wave, you wave it as like a magic wand over this article, it will then figure it out using, I'm guessing, some sort of AI and turn that into a piece of explainer content or something very close to it that you can then tweak a little bit and then put out. Um, I haven't used it that way and I'm fascinated and I'm going to go and test that, Jimmy, but I usually put my explainer stuff. <laughs> I'm a publisher. I'm writing stuff from scratch, but yeah. So I, I don't know, Jimmy, like I haven't tried that. So probably you know more about that. So I think this just opens up a conversation where it's like, there are tools out there that will do some really powerful stuff. Here's, yeah. the, here's what I, why I try to reiterate to physical therapists, what my big message is. And anyway, when I talk about my career and my weird switch to PT podcasting, which is not a thing yeah. until it's a thing, the most valuable part of the explainer, the article, the podcast, the video is the knowledge of the expert, right? Mm -hmm. That's the most important. You could have the best graphic designer. You could have the coolest sound effects and anything. Put any spin. If you don't have a really great sound message, you got nothing. So yeah. 
my message all the time to physical therapists that because that's our super niche audience is you've got you the balls on the one yard line already. Now it does take some work and some effort and some confidence and some some belief and 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 faith in it. But man, you have the power in your brain already. Yeah, it's you've got all the knowledge there, and there's so many. What I what I tend to do is I go and look for people who are doing things in the way I'm comfortable and learn from them. So for some people, they just nail LinkedIn for me, or and they're just people that. Like I follow a, a guy who just talks about livable cities. It's not really something that's super high up in my mind. I mean, it's important, but his content is just so good. The and way he does it, you mean? Yeah, the way he shares that content and it's other people's content with his spin on it. Um, so there's a whole thing you can decide you're going to create your own content or share someone else's with or, or share other bits of media or there's an article in The Guardian or New York Times or... Um, there's this innovation, this new research has come out, this is your spin on it. So that's, or you just want to get more clients in the door or knowing that you're a brand, that's when you're saying, well, look, I am the expert. So you've got the explainer. Um, there's a profile piece around you and that's your history, your story, what's important to you, why you do it. Those engaging personal stories are really important. I mean, that's how you introduced me today, right, is that that background, that way that you can connect with me. What's important to you? What's your mission statement? Like right. what's your underpinning philosophy? Uh, somebody else put it this way, but I call it the grunt test. So there's the yeah. three questions in the grunt test. What do you do? How will it make my life better? And then what do I need to do to get it? So that's yeah. what our intro is, everybody. I mean, I, I've just pulled back the curtain. Like, what is what? And I always put the person's name last, right? If you if you notice yeah. that, Some people say, "Hey, Kylie, Kylie Ahern did this, this, this." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." I'm gonna do last because that's always a better way to do it. We pull the curtain back, but it's like, done this, this, and this. We'll teach you how to do this, this, and this. And by the way, here's Kylie Ahern. You're the person being last in that formula is she's how you can she's how you get it. You listen, yeah. uh, but that yeah. question needs to be so crystal clear. Um, yeah. And again, I mean, Kylie, you're talking about global brands and, and big, big institutions. But I want to reiterate and make sure the audience knows this can be done for a physical therapy clinic in any city USA. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I do it for myself. And I'm, you know, I'd like to think I'm global, but, you know, I've got a very specific audience like impact stories, case studies, people you, like when I talk to researchers, it's often what's your impact? And I would say the same. If it's just you, like you know, what are the case studies? Who are the, what? Are, what are the type of people you've treated and the outcome? And but it's those sort of basic bits bits of content that you don't necessarily you think there's a lot of assumed knowledge. So if someone wanted to know something about you, but those other things like frequently asked questions. So you know, how do I deal with chronic pain? You know, what are, what are the latest treatments out there? You know, there it's coming back to those questions. So if you, if you're thinking, what do I do? Write a publishing strategy for yourself. Say, who is my target audience? So that's how I start with, what are my business objectives and who's my target audience? What do my target audience need from me? So if you're always just talking about, this is what my physio does, it's got to be rooted in what are they asking? So what are those five co common questions? It could be 10. And how are you going to answer them? Right. Uh, what are their fears and concerns? Where do you need to take them to? Um, and it's that's very much journalism and media. Um, the video aspect is really 
if you can try and get some video in there, I think that's important too because video is so much, so, so such growth. Well, I, I say this is this is the device that we at least begins the conversation a lot of the time. Yeah. With the podcast audience, I'm holding up a cell phone and I'm sure you're holding a cell phone and you got one in your back pocket right now. And I say, especially with podcasting, but I think it's really any content, but that's how I think is, while we're doing this motion, we do this motion a million times a day, which is scrolling on our phone through a news feed. You've got to win their eye first. Yeah. You've got to win their, their, their curiosity of their eye because a lot of the videos will automatically play now on these platforms. Not the, not the audio, but the video at least move, right? Yeah. And then if you've really got something compelling, they'll tap it and now I've got their ear. And then it's, hey, would you like to hear more? So what do you do? How does it make my life better? And then, hey, to get it, subscribe to the podcast. So it, you can't just say, I interviewed Kylie Aher and she's great. Listen, you've got to say, if you listen to this, you will be able to do this or you'll transform into this. So that's very much what you're saying is journalism. Everything you're saying, I agree with and repeat ad nauseum. So I'm glad someone else is saying it and it's not just Jimmy j jumping around repeating himself. Yeah. So you do need that publishing and I'd write it down and it's a discipline in doing it as well sure. too. And and like even when you and I are talking, like it, sometimes there's new things that I'm thinking in my head. Okay, yeah, I've got to be thinking about that. And it's always having those conversations and talking to people about what you're doing and why. So when I launched STEM Matters, I didn't put the philosophy that we want to change how we communicate science or communicate STEM. Uh, I hadn't didn't write that as a philosophy, didn't even think about it. And then there was an institute said, why would we work with you? What's your underpinning philosophy? People want to know that um, now more than ever. There's that connection to um, why you're doing what you're doing. I mean, obviously, if you're a physio, you're a good person. <laughs> but there's still, you know, um, and you're doing it to, to help people. But right. I think there's nothing wrong with saying that or, you know, what, why are you here and, and what's the ethics of your business as well right. too. Well, you know, uh, so have you ever read the book uh, Building a Story Brand? Have you ever gotten that one? I definitely suggest that. Uh, you know, I didn't Write that down. Yes, building a story brand. brand. And you've highlighted several parts of that book tonight already. There's seven elements that Donald Miller lists in the, in a good story. And what you're highlighting there is what he refers to as the strongest person in any story, which is not the hero. The hero, he says, is the weakest person in the story because that person needs to be vulnerable. They have to want to transform into something. So if you want to get better, at first you need to be worse or weak. So the guide in a, in a, in a, or the, in the relationship of a physio and a patient, the physio is not the hero. Because if I come in and I say, I'm Jimmy, I am the greatest physio ever, and I have all these letters after my name, and I'm fantastic, and you should listen to me. The person listening goes, I don't know where I fit in the story, because if you're so great, I want to be the hero. But if you're already the hero of this story, I don't fit. So Donald Miller posits, in any great story, there needs to be a guide. You know, If you're a Star Wars fan, the strongest person in the story is Yoda or Obi-Wan, the person that teaches Luke how to be yeah, better. And if you yes. position it like that, whether you're writing or not, if the if the piece is your resume, nobody really wants to read a resume. You want to scan a resume. You want to yeah. read a story because you really want to put yourself in it and go, yeah, I can see, I see myself in that person wanting, beginning here, but wanting to be here and wanting to get better. And that person's drawn in and they go, okay, now I can see you can help me. Yeah. That's the building of So when you yeah. frame it as wanting to, you know, re, re reshape how science is communicated, they go, yeah, we want to do that too. You can yeah. help us do that. Great. Let's engage. You become yeah. the guide in that story and people will follow you. Yeah. 
And then the other thing is if you want to get a media profile, you've got to have content that gets your attention. So those explainers or having a presence on LinkedIn or Twitter, going for awards, I mean, I think that that's really important as really? well. I get so nervous about that. No. We, we get like applications for those and I'm like, well, do, do, weren't you impressed when I said we won over 50 awards? Yes. It's part yeah. of building your profile and credibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you proved me wrong. You know what it is? I think I'm just scared of applying and losing and feeling bad because I no, think, I think oh, no one's going to come and kill you. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm in my, you know, we record the show in my living room and I'm like, yeah, I think we have a problem with, I don't know, it's for me. Like, story. That's engaging. Yeah. You film it from, you know, your story is interesting and, but awards are really critical. Awards and prizes are part of your profile. It's part of your credibility. It's like, gosh, he's an award. Like that's an award-winning show around this. Like, you know, I've got to listen to that. There's Highly. even if you don't think that it's people hesitate doing it. Uh, like, well, the, in the void of you not applying, you know, right. who else is winning? You, right. you know, if not you, then who? And um, I used to poke yeah. fun at it because the intro of our show used to be the number one physical therapy podcast in the world. According to Jimmy's mom, it used to be like this, like, yeah, we can be funny. And then it's like, I, I needed to be self-deprecating. So I didn't feel like a complete jerk in that statement right after that. Yeah. So no, you've got to, you've got to apply. And I'd, I'd recommend that to people. Like if there's local community ones, um, you know, cause I, I went into awards in our local districts as well too. Um, our sustainability approach won awards. We were science and green publishers, but we still did other things. Um, so I think all those those strategies around what gets you, because if you're winning an award, your local media is likely to cover you. Yeah, and right. then you can talk to those journalists about what your particular views are. If you're on Twitter or LinkedIn talking about the latest in something, you're more, more likely to be picked up by media. So it, it, that's sort of, it's all those things you start to build. You go and talk to a conference, say, I want to come and talk to this group of people about X, Y, and Z. So I, I, that that is actually just a relevant part of your publishing or profile. Call it a public profile strategy, if like rather than publishing, because that's. But that's all part of your profile building and awareness around you, because it's not just. You want that credibility brings clients right. and audiences right. to you. Okay. All right. I can do it for that reason. That makes me feel like safer and less like I'm just trying to win an award. You can yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. Um, is there anything I didn't ask? I'm excited. Uh, I love hearing about this. I want part of this audience to uh, to to go and and realize that they are or really should be science communicators as physios. You know, no matter what your audience size. Again, Kylie was talking about big and small. You have it. That little device in your pocket or that laptop, um, or however you want to do it. You know, you 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 can share a really great message. Is there anything I didn't cover? Anything you, you the audience you think would uh, would would gain value from? Um, look, I think it's really important that people don't don't think of this as overwhelming. And I think it's really, this is the constant thing. It's just start with, well, what do you, you know, can I just do a website? And what, what am I going to put on there? I started with just a website, uh, one page, and I put things down. And a few months later, I added to it. So start and give yourself a deadline on things. It's really important to break it down. Like I'm constantly writing um like to-do list this isn't my to-do list here but you know i've got big sheets yeah. of paper and i write things up i'm very visual okay post a note over this place go, go and find the people you want to emulate like that's the first thing who is it that you want to emulate and start doing things like them like if that someone's got a website you like copy it 
figure out, sit there and figure out why. Why do I like that? Why is that? Yeah. Why am I drawn to that? Ooh, how can I put yeah. my spin on that? Yeah, but also, so start today with, well, what's your business objective? Who are, you, who are your audiences and what do they need to know? If you just started with those three, answering those three questions and sitting down and writing them, the world starts opening up. Yeah, you're real close. I mean, you're a lot closer than you think. I, mean, I, I want to reduce yeah. people's anxiety in terms of like, listen, this is some effort, but like it will reap benefits in terms of yourself personally and professionally, but also your audience, you will help them. They will get information and they will be the path to your door because you can help them as physios. Yeah. Um, are you ready for three questions, Kylie? Okay, go for it. Let's do three questions. All right, three questions brought to you by our friends at Fusion Medical Staffing. Uh, really a, a cool opportunity as a travel physical therapist or physical therapist assistant, you get to decide where, when, and how you do what you do best, which is be a great clinician, right? You went through a lot of school, a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears. To provide quality care to your patients, they have a traveler-first mentality, a lot of, of job transparency, right? There are the need, wherever they're humans, for a great physio. So take the travel lifestyle you love, and figure out if you want to do this great physio thing, where you want to do it. Positions in all 50 states. And again, job transparency so you can seriously choose your own adventure. Uh, start it there at fusionmedstaff.com. That is fusionmedstaff.com. Uh, Kylie, first question on three questions is a where question because Fusion Medstaff, you know, traveling. Uh, where once, it's, once we're safe to travel, uh, where would you like to go? We'll keep it 50, in the 50 U.S. states. Where would you want to come in the states and visit once it's safe? Where, where do you want to go? Oh, I've never been to San Francisco. I'd love to go to San Francisco. You have and I'd to love to see Alabama. I mean, I don't I have yeah. never even thought about it. Like we're deep south. If you so go they, if you go to San Francisco, you gotta say hello to Carl. Are you aware of Carl? No. They actually name the fog. The fog when the fog rolls in, the fog rolls out. <laughs> Locals. I learned this. Maybe it was just a local messing with me, but they go, Oh yeah, Carl's gonna show up in about three hours. I'm like, who is Carl? Really? Everybody keeps talking about him. <laughs> Right, I didn't know that. That's I'm in New York. I had no idea. Second question is a what question. What's something you've watched, read, or listened to, a book, movie, podcast, that you would suggest to the audience that they would get value from? Uh, Ologies by yeah. um, Ali Ward. It's the greatest. I love her science podcast. And yeah. I've written about it, and I, I just think she's a tremendous, brilliant communicator for and, anyone. And real briefly, she just looks at people who are, are like ologists of things and yeah. kind of does a cool dive. Like, hey. Yeah, she does one on awesomeology. Like she, you know, it could be about snails or penguins or, but all of a sudden you find yourself caring about a topic that you had no idea about. And she's an, art, an, an actor, sorry. I was going to say that's the sign of a really good interviewer. Somebody who can make you care about something you had no idea about. Yeah. yeah. And she's a great uh, human being. <laughs> yeah, it just comes across with ologies. Uh, third question is about uh, people. Who is some in the audience you think they should know more about? Hmm. Um, I think you should go and follow Asad Razouk and see how he communicates. So that's A-S-S-A-A-D, Razouk, R-A-Z-Z-O-U-K. I think he communicates around climate beautifully. There's a lot of A's, <laughs> doubles. Who's, there, who's so. the double Z? Because we say Z, and when you say Z, I'm like, that's awesome. Why don't we say that here in the United States? That's the <laughs> uh, you're off the hot seat. That's three questions uh, on uh, on the show. Again, brought, brought to you by our friends from FusionMedStaff.com. Uh, Let's do uh, the parting shot now. One of my favorite parts of a show, parting shot. Oh.
Party Shot brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy, the leaders in orthopedic physical therapy research, uh, largest section in the American Physical Therapy Association, largest academy, I should say. Uh, and they also have independent study courses. If you're looking to advance your clinical knowledge and you're an orthopedic PT, uh, why not the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy? Uh, find them online at orthopt.org. Uh, one of their best-selling independent study courses is Current Concepts of orthopedic physical therapy. A lot of PTs use it to uh, to study for the OCS exam, which is coming up each and every year. So check it again, again, at orthopt.org. Kylie, no pressure, but this is your parting shot. So what would you want to leave with the audience today? Your mic drop moment or your soapbox or anything you want? Okay, so I don't know who the leading um, expert is in physical therapy, and I think there's an opportunity there um, because I follow a lot of scientists, a lot of health practitioners on Twitter, and my challenge, my parting shot is a challenge that in the next year I'd love for one of you to have really cracked this and be a destination point around physio physical therapy and come back and tell us how you did it. If not, I love that before. If not you, then who? Someone else, right? So share that. Uh, Kylie, appreciate uh, your time and thanks for doing all you do. Uh, again, science is not done until it's been communicated. I think it's a great line. I'm glad you brought that up. And it's it's really true. So uh, would love to reconnect with you when uh, when you got some more things to share and you know more yeah. insights. Love it. Thanks, Jimmy. And congratulations on all you do. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Bye. Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management, Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. ptpinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. To providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It's poured fresh by me, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Ingredients are sourced by our chief connections officer, Sky Donovan from Marymount University. And it's brewed fresh by producer and physical therapist, Juliet Dassinger. And by producer and creator, second year PT student, Bridget Nolan from Sacred Heart University. PT Pinecast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. Make sure to follow us online at PT Pinecast and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I absolutely love you. I love you, love you, love you. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. And if you found value in the show, all we ask is that you tell a friend. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.